Are you excited for Thanksgiving? Yes. What are you going to have? Country crock spread onto greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, ram, chicken, turkey, hogs, dogs. Don't change that dial. You've just tuned into Albion, a fortnightly history podcast hosted by a couple of idiots abroad. Or rather, an idiot and abroad. My name is Elliot Flood, and sitting across from me and picking her corns Ew. is your co-host, Casey Piercy. This series talks about the absolutely absurd history of the British Isles that we've been learning ever since we left our home planet and moved to Marmite Country in 2018. Elliot, what do you have in store for us today? We're going to look at a wild old nobleman of yore. This guy was one of the most notorious aristocrats in England during his time. He was known for being a prankster, bully, a drinker, and a knob in general. Mm. For all of our non-British listeners, a knob means a penis. Big old penis. <laughs> this guy was also closely associated with a scary entity that terrorized London. Ooh. Okay, so if you picture Austin Powers in your head, give me three distinguishing characteristics. Okay. Glasses. Mm-hmm. Hairy chest. So hairy. Busted ass teeth. Yeah, <laughs> busted ass teeth. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you picked that one because we're going to have a little chat about the sore subject of English dentistry. Oh, nice. And then in classic fucked up feminist fact style, we're going to whip it up into a fervor of yonic righteousness and indignation, as we always do. Woo! So, before the 19th century, the care of Great Britain's pearly yellows was in the hands of blacksmiths and barbers who doubled as surgeons. Oh, good. After all, these were the tradespeople who already had the tools. So just let that sink in for a Good minute. God. <laughs> yeah. So you got a fucking anvil, um, I got pliers, and some red hot metal. I can be a dentist. Yeah, and some jabby pokey things and some yeah, scalpels. Sure. Yeah, I'll figure it out. So your neighborhood blacksmith is quick to the pliers, as you had just mentioned. But the traveling barber, well, he was a businessman that had to go from place to place on his reputation. So he had a Yelp ringing to keep high. <laughs> So he employed smaller devices. For example, imagine a beer bottle opener that would just surround the tooth, mm. and then you'd use the leverage from the opposite jaw to oh. pop the tooth out. Oh, God. Yeah. It's a good thing anesthesia was, had been invented at this point, right? Oh, it absolutely has, which we will get oh, to very phew. shortly. Good. Uh, in this era, some bizarre cleaning methods were used in dentistry and in you know daily household hygiene. So abrasives such as ground-up oyster shells were placed on the figure and rubbed into the teeth. Uh, the problem here being that oyster shells are very hard, and this ended up scraping away the enamel and exposing the nerves. Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, I'm just puking my mouth. Um, brick dust, chimney soot were also tried. Chimney soot is like, I don't know, charcoal whitener, so it's, it's like pretty cool. <laughs> um, the first toothbrush was hand-tied from pig's bristle. Oh. Which also kind of freaks me out. God. Um, and they were expensive, so the same toothbrush was shared by the entire family. I'm sorry. How is it expensive? Because it's hand tied. <laughs> it's like basically wig making. It's oh. like lace front fantasy. Fair enough. Being this is tied. like the time when there's like one guy in town who knows how to tie a knot. Like we gotta go to the knot tying guy to get a toothbrush made out of hog bristle. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. can only afford one. <laughs> Where are we going to get a hog? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. So sugar comes in from the West Indies and later the sugar tax is swept under the rug. So not everyone's mouth is full of decay, rich or poor. 
You have a good story about, is it Elizabeth one who's like mouth is totally black mm -hmm. and it was yeah. like a status symbol for her time That's right. that her and her lordships were expected to have black teeth to show their wealth. That's right. Enter the dentists. So instead of using brute strength to rip molars out of skulls, early dentists realized that they could just try to pound out the cavity, the cavity while keeping the rest of the tooth intact. Uh, still doesn't sound that great. <laughs> no, it does not. And that is because the drills were invented and drills were operated by foot treadle. So mm. you would press your foot on a pedal, much like early sewing machines, and the drill would pivot in and out, oh. which means that the drill went exceptionally slowly. Uh -huh. Imagine getting your cavity drilled out and it just taking so much time. Oh, God. Well, nitrous oxide, a.k.a. laughing gas, was the first chemical used for pain relief in okay. dentistry. American dentist Horace Wells found himself sitting in the stands of a laughing gas roadshow. <laughs> <laughs> Can we bring those back? Yes. That sounds fun. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you're already imagining it, but audience members are invited onto the stage, and then like they're just basically told to do some whippets, and then everybody laughs at them. Um, <laughs> but they also like try these things or like, you know, inflict pain and the audience member can't feel it because they're high on laughing gas. So then this dentist gets the grand idea, like, well, man, this stuff is bonkers. I bet you can use it on a dentistry patient. Well, metered gas valves hadn't yet been invented. So this particular dentist struggled to perfect the correct, the correct mix of gas and air. Oh, no. Which if you're reading between the lines, which I can tell that you are, it means that a bunch of fucking people died. Of course. Why not? So maybe some safer options are good old-fashioned chloroform. And that is the substance that villains, like, put on rags and then cover in front of your nose. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then knock you out and, like, put you in the trunk of a car. Classic move. Classic move. Um, also, fun fact, that was used in early childbirth, which, hey, maybe we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> um, and then probably the most commonly used was cocaine, because it was already in circulation as a widely used painkiller. You just, like show up at your pharmacist and say, yo, can I get some of that? Wow. Uh, but dental cocaine was injected into the jaw in liquid form with a huge ass needle. Woo. Yikes. But on the bright side, like it's not knocking out the whole body. It's just trying to like have it be focused on a particular area yeah. of your mouth. <laughs> Laughing gas cocaine roadshow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Buy your tickets That'll now. still do well this time. This, yeah. At this point in time. <laughs> I, I, I feel like the bar where you work is actually called laughing as cooking. <laughs> yeah, and they have handlebar mustaches. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that is your pain medication, which, as your kind of understanding, is not widely used for right. the slow drill bits and the blacksmith days of dentistry. Yeah, they just get everybody drunk. It seems to be like what they would always do back then. Yeah, but like doesn't like, yeah, true, but also doesn't alcohol like make you bleed more because true. it dilutes your blood? It does. And you just would be having like an open sore from where your molar was ripped out of the back of your jaw. That is true. Well, that's a little sensible for Victorian times. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little science based. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just the wind. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. So I've described a situation where we have a specialized skill set mm -hmm. and we have like a host of chemical concoctions and we have a bunch of people that needs the needs the job to be done. Yep. What is that spell? Expensive. Oh, yeah. About as much as a toothbrush. Yeah, right. <laughs> probably the toothbrush is more expensive. Possibly, yeah, possibly. A knot tying guy. I know. Specialized <laughs> skill set. 
and a bunch of people that need it, like also spells expensive. So by the early 20th century, uh, dentistry was so expensive that some wealthier people chose to have all their teeth pulled out of their heads. And that was just to like spare themselves a lifetime of pain from Mm. having toothaches or like unsightly, you know, orthodontistry because I haven't been invented yet, but also to spare them a bunch of debt. Oh, wow. Which brings us to our fucked up feminist facts. I almost wonder in this one, like, maybe we should do, maybe for the theme song, it should be like a hardcore song. Oh, yeah. Fucked <laughs> <laughs> up. Feminist fact. Fucked up. Feminist fact. Fucked up. Feminist fact. So in the words of historian Joanna Bork, having all of your teeth removed was considered the perfect gift for a lady's 21st birthday or a newly married bride. Wow. The perfect gift for your 21st birthday. Is to have all your fucking healthy, deeply rooted teeth ripped out of your jaw with minimal anesthetic. Just what every young woman wants, really. Yeah, and that's, 21 means that you're, like, old and unmarried, like, Uh your spinster age of 21. So this is actually just, like, your fucking dowry. Your father would just parade you around and say, like, oh, take Casey with her mouthful of dentures. You'll never have to pay a dentist. She's a total bargain. (laughs) What a deal. It's like getting your driver's license. It's just one of those milestone moments in life. You're like, oh, I remember when I was 21. I <laughs> had, had all my teeth TV. bashed out. Good times. Simpler times. I became a woman then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like even fucking crazier because you're 20 years old and you can't chew your own food. So it has to be masticated for you. What? Which I'm guessing like is the job of the servant because your mama didn't have no teeth either. True. And then, like, it compounds in this crazy black market selling problem where people are just, like, trying to get as much teeth for gingers as possible. Like, oftentimes, well, not oftentimes. I'd say some of the times the teeth were artificial, but more often than not, they were taken from the mouths of the dead or from living donors. Wow. So check out this woman's quote from a Bristol paper in 1811. I just had a a tooth extracted from the mouth of a healthy poor girl to replace a decayed stump of my own, adding coolly. You have no idea what a beautiful set of teeth the poor creature had. She lost three teeth while I was there. She must have given a handsome day's worth of it, for I gave her a guinea for the tooth she lost for me. Wow. What the fuck? So this, like, girl, this, like, working-class poor girl, like, has to sell her healthy teeth, like, make a guinea, a.k.a. a coin, for every teeth she sells. (laughs) Like, to feed her family. That's so sad. Fucking so wrong. You know that much that he's just gonna fucking... Fuck up that new tooth with a bunch of sugar. That's exactly right. That is 100% right. Well, the tooth training fab reached fever pitch in 1815 when 50,000 men died at the Battle of Waterloo. The sound of gunfire had barely subsided before scavengers arrived to pull out the teeth of the dead and the dying, which were shipped back to Britain in barrels. Wow. That's fucking crazy. It's good money. It is good money. Yeah. So Waterloo teeth became like a phrase, even if they weren't from Waterloo, people would still call them Waterloo teeth. Um, There's a really cool museum in Newcastle called the Beamish Museum. And you can actually see like legitimate Waterloo teeth there that the dentist would have used in making his denture sets. Um, The Battle of Waterloo, so many teeth, it revolutionized the market so that the price of teeth dropped dramatically. It means that the middle classes can now afford new teeth as well. And so by the 30s, the 1930s, by the 1930s and the 1940s, this was popular among all social classes. Wow. 
That's insane. So, like, there are grannies alive today. With Waterloo teeth. Yeah, that, like, intentionally ripped out their teeth in their 20s. <sighs> Man, that's so gnarly. So crazy. Think teeth can be haunted? Ooh, good question. Uh, sometimes I feel like ghosts attached to objects, but I've never heard of, like, a body part object. Mm, I don't know. Lost me your All right, so that's our story. The story of toothless women and the ghost teeth parable. Yes, indeed. With the like Grimm's brother fairy tale ending, saying that <laughs> yeah. you shouldn't steal teeth or else you become a ghost yourself. Yeah, sure. Moral of the story is. Bash your teeth out because it's easier than brushing them every night. Yeah. All right, well, remember to brush and floss, kids. <laughs>
asked to leave for stealing the headmaster's whipping stool. <laughs> which doesn't seem like that bad of a prank, yeah. right? Like, the whipping stool shouldn't even be there. Yeah. Um, he also went to Oxford for university, but he was invited to leave after several pranks. Now, these were just... See, I self-identify as a prankster. Yeah, so, me too, to a certain extent. A little bit. So tell me more. I mean, I like a good office prank, or like, mm-hmm. ah, jump scare somebody, mm-hmm. you know? Put a whoopee cushion under their seat. <laughs> Little stuff like that. That's nothing compared to what this guy got up to. Uh, one of the pranks I did is uh, my coworker's phone. I reprogrammed it. So instead of saying, my name is Extension, it says the boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not his boss. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, so after he got kicked out of Oxford, Henry's pranks got a little bit more crazy, and he really got a taste from mayhem. Um, he allegedly did most of his pranks just to alleviate boredom, which apparently this guy was bored all the fucking time because his life is a laundry list of insane hijinks. Okay. Um, so some of his antics seem pretty funny, but most of them are just straight up mean as fuck. He is just one of those guys that takes pranks a little too far. Okay. Um, so I'm what sure if, it's really wrapped up in like male entitlement as well. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. hundred percent. So one of his early pranks is, oh, quick side note, he used to spend tons of money doing these pranks, too. Yeah, because he had tons of burn. Wasting money on pranks. Um, so he bought several large barrels of gin and took them to a really busy part of the city. He then stood around handing out cups of gin to passerbys and anybody who looked unhappy. He continued this for about an hour or so until eventually there was a huge crowd of really drunk people. This sounds like a Georgia frat party. <laughs> yeah. And a riot ended up breaking out, and he was arrested for inciting a riot because awesome. he was just standing on the side laughing and handing out gin to people. Awesome. It's also insane to me, though, that there's just that many people who are down to, like, drop whatever they're doing right then and there and just get loaded on the sidewalk until yeah, but, there's enough people to riot. <laughs> but have you also, like, ever been to, like, Northumberland Street when they're just giving away, like, monster energy drink samples or whatever? True. Yeah, I guess if you were just giving out, like, beer or shots, yeah, so I would go up just for go crazy. Honestly, God, like every time we fly, we go to duty free just to have a thimbles full of gin. That is true. Next time, let's fucking riot. Let's <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's riot for duty free. So um, this got him in the newspapers. Delaporte became known as the Mad Marquess. Um, this wasn't the last time he was in the paper. Not even close. Um, he was due in court because at one point he was racing his horse and carriage through like super busy congested thoroughfares of london and like running people over oh my god uh, you could like really you could murder a person if it's run over by this horse. dude's probably got some deaths under his okay name. that's fucking harsh um so when it was his day in court he rode his court into his horse into the courtroom and trotted oh. it right up to the witness stand oh and told god. the judge to cross-examine it because quote only the horse knew how fast it was going <laughs> Oh my god! And in classic entitled rich guy fashion, all charges were dropped. Uh, this dickhead would basically never get in trouble for any of the crazy stuff he would do. He would just pay fines or ignore it, and it would go away. So, not surprising. Uh, another prank that he liked to do to his friends. This is one of those guys who like pranks people he doesn't know, but he's like also an insane dick to his buddies. Yeah, it's like how he shows affection because yeah. he can't just say "I love you" now. Exactly. Uh, he would put fox pee on the hooves of his buddy's horses while they're on him, and then he would sick his hunting dogs on the horse and watch the people, the horse freak out while the dogs are trying to attack it, thinking that the fox is somewhere. Oh my god! Yeah. 
So that's like, like ah, I just cut the brake lights to your car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna shoot you, you in again. the ass, buddy. Yeah, yeah. got you. Yeah. Uh, so one prank of his that I actually think is pretty awesome that he did is he one time bought out almost all the first class tickets on a train line that was going to a really hoity-toity horse race and it was supposed to be like full of rich people yeah and he just let he filled it up with chimney sweeps and paid their tab and was like party and go crazy and then all these chimney sweeps got on a first class train car and ruined the time of all these rich people and nice. he literally just did it so he could see the look on their faces i remember that so aside from wreaking havoc constantly and everywhere he went Delacour beresford actually contributed to the english language oh yes a common phrase that we use today is thanks to this guy and you've heard the term painting the town red? Yeah. Any ideas how that came about? Literally painted? Oh, yeah. So, late one night, after drinking all day and night at a horse race in this place called Croxton. <coughs> I really think, like, horses are the crux of the problem here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're tied to everything he does. Okay. There's more. I think he's a horse fucker. I'm just going to put that out there. there. Wouldn't surprise me. So the Mad Marquis and his buddies had been drinking all day at a horse race. They showed up to a town called Melton Mowbray, um, where pork pies I was from. just going to say, I only know that name from pork pies. <laughs> uh, they were absolutely trash and acting super crazy, so the gatekeeper demanded his toll for them to get in. They refused, started kicking off. Right next to the entry gate, there was a construction site where work had been being done on the town wall, and there was mm -hmm. all these cans of paint mm -hmm. there. So... They beat the shit out of the gatekeeper, oh, no. dumped red paint over him, paint him head to toe red, Oh my god! forced their way into town, and just go on a rampage. They're painting doors, they're painting windows, people. the signs of businesses, people, they're smashing, and this is at like three or four in the morning. Jesus fucking Christ. They're smashing windows, they're banging on doors, they're waking everybody up, uh, two constables intervene, the, the guys jump on them, they beat the living shit out of them, and paint them red head to toe. Oh my god. And like... <laughs> Just continued on this mad fucking rampage. Um, I just picture him being like, yes, boys, hold him down. Paint his ass red. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so a bunch of cops arrive as backup eventually, and they arrest one of the guys. Mm -hmm. After this, a few hours later, the Marquis and his buddies come back, drunk still, break into the jail, beat the shit out of a bunch of cops, and bust their friend out of jail. The next morning or like afternoon, he finally sobered up and just wrote a check for all the damages. Um, and it has amounted to about 11,000 pounds in modern Damn, currency. Damn, that's not a lot. No. As he you can had see, it, no problem. Yeah. Oh, that was nothing for him. Yeah. That's prank money. That's just yeah. prank money. Yeah. Easy. That's whoopee cushion catch. <laughs> all right. As you can see, he became super well known throughout his day. Such a dick. Um, another thing that he was reported doing was he tried to pay a train company off to crash two full passenger Shut train cars up. into each other unbeknownst to everyone on board of course so just so he could watch from the sidelines and see the carnage this guy's a sociopath oh yeah he's a fucking nut job or he's a gomez from adam's family yeah. i can't decide which <laughs> uh he also was house sitting for a friend once on holiday, now this is like mansion sitting, estate yeah. sitting. Yeah, yeah, totally. And he just went around all the house to all the fancy portraits of all his old family members mm -hmm. and shot out all the eyes and mouths and then put cigars in the mouth holes. Oh my God, so I'd be I'm so pissed. I'm telling you, this guy was a fucking terror. So, Casey, 
Have you ever heard of the Spring-Heeled Jack? No. Okay, the Spring-Heeled Jack is kind of like an urban legend, like mythical thing, entity, we'll say. I'm imagining a dog, is that wrong? Yes. Okay. It's an entity that terrorized London uh, in like 1837. People were reporting, mostly women, were that they're being attacked and scared by some kind of thing with claws and horns that could breathe fire. Oh my god, it was this fucking guy. And fucking go crazy. And I'm people, calling it right now, it was this fucking guy. People were terrified, all right? Yes. And shit starts getting whipped up. The city is freaked out. It's getting reported in the papers. Um, it was called spring because it could jump unnaturally high. Now, most of these reports are sketchy, and some of them describe a demon. Some mm-hmm. of them describe a bear. Um, I mean, women are never a reputable source for journalism. No, they get hysteric. I know, it's the hysterics. They get hysteric. Um, so no one really knows what this is. But there were some legitimate reports that were taken by the police. Um, a gardener was chased around his backyard area by some type of man or something that was breathing fire at him um, and then jumped over his nine-foot wall. A young woman had her back slashed by an imp mm. as she was running away <laughs> after it jumped out of the shadows. Jesus. And another lady went into violent fits for several hours after something knocked on her door and when she answered, breathed a cloud of blue flame into her face. Fuck me. Yeah, so something or somebody, as long yeah. as somebody's going around fucking being crazy as hell, scaring the living All right, so you're anyway. like inhaling gin and then you're setting the vapors on fire. Yeah. You've got, like, little needles for hands, like, slash people open. Spring heels, though. Yeah. I don't know how you explain that. Can you explain it? So, guess who was in London at the exact same time that the spring heel Jack craze guess was our, born? <laughs> I'm going to guess our prankster Marquess. That's right. The Mad Marquess, indeed. He was known for amusing himself by springing out of the shadows on unaware travelers and scaring the shit out of them and laughing hysterically afterwards. He's also basically known to do anything, and I do mean anything for a bet. Um, so he, Henry Delapore Beresford, became one of the strongest theories for the Spring Heel Jack. Basically, everyone kind of knew it was him. They just couldn't prove it. Yeah. Um, and it's thought mostly that all the supernatural bullshit was just made up, and he was just wearing a costume, scaring people. I mean, come on, it would be easy pickings for scaring people yeah. with a costume yeah. in Victorian times. So. Uh, despite all his insane pranks and shenanigans, the Mad Marquess eventually settled down for love. He fell head over spring heels. <laughs> he met a girl. They moved back to County Waterford in Ireland, and he began living a quiet life. Um, in fact, people had noted that his turnaround was so great. They were really proud of him. He was leading an exemplary life. It was all good. He'd grown up, finally. Mm-hmm. And then he broke his neck suddenly on a mundane horse ride. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something scared his horse. Uh, That's karma for you. Karma bitch. That's it for this week's episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Support for Albion comes from transstamps.co.uk, your all in one solution for at home lower back tats. Specializing in packages ranging from Sanskrit to dragonflies. <laughs> Transdance.co.uk has your back covered. For 20% off, enter promo code LiveLaughLove at checkout. Subscribe on every major platform and we'll see you again for episode 8. Tittle Pit. Tinkity Tonk. Bye.